Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Do you ever wonder how much is enough? How much is enough? We have teachings in unity and new thought, and there are teachings in the secular world as well, about being prosperous. And if you're like me, you probably want to be prosperous. Anybody want to experience prosperity? Raise your hand, show of hands, make sure we're all on the same page. But here's the question. How much is enough? So for the month of May, we will be focusing our messages on some aspect of this that we call prosperity consciousness. And today, I really want to begin with the question, how much is enough? Because whenever you're starting a project, we need to know where are we going so that we'll know we've met our goals. You know, we do a lot of goal setting and in unity and new thought and in life in general. So we need to know what's what's how we've met our goals. So how much is enough? How much prosperity is enough? And it's interesting when we look at the origin of the word prosperity itself, it comes from the Latin root pro, meaning for, and spere, expectation. So what do you expect? So we say, I want to be prosperous in this area of my life or that area of my life. What we're saying is, I have an expectation. It's my desire to meet it. But sometimes we, we defer our prosperity and we defer our joy and we defer our peace of mind because we'll say something like, I'll be prosperous when, or I'll be prosperous if, sometime out in the future, not taking stock of the possibility that maybe we are already prosperous right here and right now. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, wrote this in the book, Prosperity. That's all we really want, just the amount of things we need for today's use, plus the absolute assurance that supply for tomorrow's needs will be there when tomorrow comes. This assurance cannot be found in hoarding or piling up, as we have learned by experience. This book was written right after the Depression. Anything less than today's needs is not enough. Anything more than we need for today is a burden. Let us start with the fundamental proposition that there is plenty for you and for me, and that the substance is here all the time according to our thought and word. Do you agree with that? I mean, let's, let's get real. Do you really agree that if all we have is enough for today and assurance that tomorrow's needs will be there, will that be enough for us to say with absolute certainty, I am prosperous? Or are we in that mindset that, oh, holy moly, I have got to have a huge pile in reserve. Otherwise, I'm not prosperous and I'm just in dire fear. Absolute assurance it's simply another word for faith. And faith, we sometimes say, is an acronym, meaning feeling all right in the heart. Feeling all right in the heart. And the absolute assurance that there is enough good to go around. But I, I, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. 
aren't we supposed to always be wanting more and more and more? And doesn't our culture teach us we need the next new bright, shiny thing? We need this. We need that. Somebody's always telling us that we need to have the newest thing or more things or the biggest thing in order to be prosperous. And, you know, it kind of seems to me that that's kind of tied into that Buddhist notion that life is suffering. That our suffering happens because of our attachments to the things we crave and our attachments to the things we fear. We, we start craving the need for more and more stuff. And then we are also afraid, oh my God, I'm going to lose all my stuff. So we're attached to, on both ends. But what would happen? How would our lives be appreciably different if we could wake up and say, you know, I have enough. You know, I'm feeling content. It's almost like giving up. Almost like giving up. Being a quitter. We won't, you won't win. You're always supposed to, one, have the next biggest, brightest, shiniest thing and then have the biggest numbers of this and the most of that. I mean, am I, am I just projecting my own stuff? Or is that maybe something that we've come to expect in our culture? You know, because sometimes it does seem like we're a little short on a few things in our lives. Maybe it's health or maybe it is money or maybe it is relationship. But I've come to accept a new mantra grounded in my understanding of unity's first principle that God is absolute good. And my new mantra that I'm working, I'm, trust me, I'm working it. No one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. No one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. Remember, we close our services here in unity and throughout the unity movement with the words, wherever I am, God is. And what is the good that I desire in my life? It's ultimately God. It's ultimately an expression of divinity. You know, Fillmore says this also in Prosperity. That is exactly what we must do. We must love the Lord and love our neighbor as ourselves and love our work, he adds in there, our work. And what is our work? Not necessarily our job. Our work is to be the best manifestation of divinity that we can possibly be, the realization that we are expressing the truth of our being. We know what to do. We don't have to pray or beg to God to give us anything. All we need to do is meditate quietly and affirm the power and presence of the great giver of all and then accept the gifts. <laughs> I had a summer job once when I when in high school and college, and we used to have this saying, it's uh, like certain jobs that we were doing. We were doing electric motor repair. It's an all-you-got-to-do job. An all-you-got-to-do job might take three days. So all you got to do is to be true to the law is to stop looking to without and look within for supply. Looking to the within means fixing the mind of God as ever-present spirit. That is also substance and power. And when we talk about the term substance and unity, we're talking about energy. The ever-present energy that God is, the energy that infuses all life and all being. 
Wrapped up within each of us is a great richness of thoughts. These thoughts are prisoners in the subconscious, only waiting to be set free to go do the work for us. They are waiting for the coming of the Son of God who releases prisoners and sets the captives free. This Son is now seeking expression in you. This Son is you. Release your rich thoughts. Set free your innate powers and take from the rich, rich substance of the Father all that you will. There's really a psychological truth embedded here that within us is all possibility, all capability. These thoughts are sometimes held prisoner by, conscious, by a consciousness and an attitude that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I can't, you know, all of those sort of negatives. And as we commit to releasing those negatives, we can access the truth of our being. As we say here all the time, every single one of us is an individualized expression of the creative magnificence that God is. Derek highlighted about how that comes to pass in these meetings and these gatherings they went through at the rally creating safe space to learn and grow, to affirm the best in and as one another, not stifling it or hiding or trying to make somebody fit into a mold that, doesn't, that isn't right for the individual. Let me tell you a story. Let me just give you a story that kind of highlights how this can be and how our true prosperity is more than money and things. It is an idea. It is a concept. It is a way of connecting with divinity as a living experience. I was recently talking to somebody about a family matter, and they were, were talking about the, the story of the family matter and all that's involved in all that. And the individual said, well, if this will happen... That's all we need. That'll take care of everything. And I said, so is that particular course of action what you really want to have happen, or are you looking for something else? And this person thought about it for a little bit. And as they, we were in this silent place, I heard myself channel something. Because of myself, I would not think of anything this smart. And I said, is, are you looking for this particular course of action, or are you looking for peace of mind? You saw the light bulb go off. And they responded, you know, I'm really looking for peace of mind. I said, well, could peace of mind happen through another course of action, like winning the lottery? Well, yeah, that could do it. And I said, well, is it possible that the good you are seeking isn't a particular course of action? It's peace of mind that might come to you in any number of different ways expected or unexpected. Yes. Highlighting that the ultimate goods that we are seeking aren't material, bright, shiny things. It's a consciousness. It's a way of being. The best good that we can have might manifest surely as vibrant health and stacks of money and loving relationships. It also happens as those ideas that I'm confident of what I'm doing. I'm at peace with who I am. I know that my connection with spirit is unalterable, regardless of the facts. 
You know, we're doing the study on Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited, in the metaphysical group and on Thursday nights. And we were talking today about fear and how for dispossessed and disinherited and downcast peoples around the world that a way to survive that and pass, prosper through that mind construct of fear is to know oneself as an individualized expression of God, to know that the divine is mindful of who the individual is, and to draw from that the psychologically balancing perspective that regardless of what somebody else says or does or what happens in the world, I am an individualized expression of God. I am an embodiment of Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when we know that, then we know our abundance, our supply, our prosperity is more than stuff, much more than stuff. Which leads me back to an assessment of this question, what is prosperity? And what is the relationship between prosperity and contentment? Would we be willing to say, because I am content, I am prosperous? Paul put it this way in his letter to the Philippians. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Wow. That's prosperity. That's contentment. That's power when we recognize that potential within us. I will survive. It's not just Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> I will thrive. Situations will change. And I will still be here embodying the best that I can be, living my truth as a child and expression of God. So our consumer-driven culture often urges us to look outside for contentment, namely by purchasing and buying something, but not by being something like content. And this is where faith communities come in and have served people best by teaching them to see past the illusion of material prosperity and, where the mis and this is where the misunderstanding of the so-called prosperity gospel has promoted crass materialism. Listen to what Jesus says on the subject. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven in consciousness where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hey, those guys got married yesterday. <laughs> so I don't mean for today's message to in any way disparage health, wealth, or any of the good that we have. I want us all, as Jesus said, to have life and have it abundantly. 
The point is to be mindful about the why behind the desire so that the motivation to pursue goals and dreams is healthy and soul-satisfying and designed to promote the fullest expression of the Christ, that is, our best selves. And this is contrasted with the logic, well, I might say the illogic, of endeavoring to keep up with the Joneses or basing our self-worth on what we have <laughs> rather than who we are. There's the Joneses right there. So, <laughs> James Jones. It's a metaphor, folks. <laughs> and moreover, all of this capacity to be content begins with the spiritual practice of gratitude, giving thanks for what we have now and allowing contentment to flow from that. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying accept an untenable or an unhealthy situation as your lot in life. But what I am saying is that you build your future on what you have and who you are now, not what you don't have. You know, there's that old adage, what you appreciate, appreciates. It's not complain about what you don't have and you'll become prosperous. You know, if you're looking for things to praise and give thanks for, you're going to keep finding them. Build your consciousness of prosperity on that and look to see what you do have, what we all have. You know, there are a variety of ways to legitimately demonstrate any good desire of your heart, and we'll be covering those this month. The important thing is to know that each one of us is an embodiment of the goodness that God is. If we ever lose sight of that fact, that truth. It's almost like mistaking the moon, a picture of the moon for the moon itself. The good that God is is ultimately a lived experience, a knowing, a felt sense of something timeless, immortal, and transcendent. You know, at the end of life, you can't take it with you, all the accumulated stuff, but you can accumulate right now the fullness of divinity and realize, as Paul said, stuff will come and go because it will. But the good that God is, peace, love, wisdom, assurance, will always be there. So I come back to the affirmation, the mantra I shared, no one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. Let's affirm that together. No one and no thing can keep me from the good that God is. I invite you to hold that thought this week while you consciously make note of the good that you have. And I can assure you that by the end of the week, you will all be feeling enormously prosperous. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.